This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host, along with Miss E. Hello. Hello. We're in the studio this week. We are. Not as exciting to listen to background noise because there's... Not much no background on. noise. No crickets. No I, I do have my instant audience, no so fire. we can bring the crickets with us. <laughs> no, it's okay. No uh, uh, frogs, and hopefully no frogs, because uh, the out the uh, above ground pool has now resumed service, or is in the process of well, resuming service as an outdoor pool as opposed to a uh, above frog, ground pond. pond. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the filters, it's a, we have the sand filter system with salt water instead of chlorine. Mm-hmm. So it'd probably take about a week. So I, I think of steady cleaning. It'll get ready and yeah. it'll be, but it's too cold to go swimming now anyway. Exactly. It was a little, uh, it was a little disappointing. We thought we had figured out a way to uh, – yeah, because we – so we have this above-ground pool. It's probably, I don't know, four years old now, I guess. No. Uh, maybe. Yeah. About that. Yeah. And uh, and we we had never put the tarp on when it came time to, you know, close up the pool. And so it was always gross to clean it out in the spring. So last fall, we thought, aha, okay, we can at least do this. We've got the tarp. We found the tarp. This tarp does not fit the pool. It no. came with the pool. And it it doesn't the fit pool. the pool. So we rigged up a system. You were pretty ingenious in getting uh, milk cartons, filling them partly with sand as you use as weights to right. weight them down. Uh, the problem is that uh, the cheap tarp it still tore and ripped and then it sank and we didn't have a, uh, a a floaty in the pool to keep it up. So, so yeah, it didn't another, work out another well. Another winter of lessons learned on pool <laughs> keeping, by the way. So, oh, yeah, next year... I already have my eyes on a really big tarp from the local uh, home and garden center, and uh, I save those little weights to use. I think if we get a, a, a even use one of the floaties in the center, uh-huh. put the tarp over it, have all the weights holding it down. I think that will keep most of the crap out. Hopefully, yeah, because it's it was it's not easy being green. And, Last year uh, it was worse. It was green. Last oh, it year was... was way grodier. I had to empty the whole pool out scrub it up and down all over the sides, refill it and run it. So hopefully this year it's not as filled with garbage, not garbage, leaves, sediment, right. stuff like that. Um, so it's not as filled. 
Um, I don't think it'll be. It doesn't warrant having to undo the whole thing. But last year, definitely, when there's more frogs in the pond than people can swim, <laughs> yeah, we got to get rid of that thing. Uh, meanwhile, it's been. Uh, let's see. So our our first blueberries have appeared. Yeah, on I the ate farm. Them. I, I brought them. I brought you I two and, and said, look what I have in my hand. And the chickens have already started jumping up. Mm-hmm. You can see them doing the chicken jump near the bushes because they just will jump straight up trying to peck berries off of the branches because they can't quite – there's nothing quite low enough for them to reach. So now we have to start shooing the chickens away. Right. But uh, I'm excited. And so we've got several different types of blueberries uh, this is th- this one always goes earlier, but I still think this is a little bit early, and I think it's because we had that sort of early stretch of really nice weather, like in February and yeah, early March. Yeah, because usually we don't get the first bush doesn't start producing blueberries until at least mid to late June, and then the second because we have one. So the, the blueberries were here when we got here, with the mm-hmm. exception of one plant, because we planted several plants, and only one is still alive, and that thing is maybe a foot tall, but it's got two blueberries got, on it. For so the it, first time, it's got berries on and this it. This is yep. like two or three years old now. And then we have five other bushes, and they're shorter, and the blueberries are slightly smaller than the main, the big one that we have. But that one usually goes, like I said, mid to late June, and the other one doesn't start till late August, late July, early August. No, it's usually around, like yeah. last year it was around uh, Independence Day when they, the when the smaller, batch? when the second batch. Okay. Yeah, it's usually like three or four weeks so after the first July. one. Yeah, but it's early, uh, at least by a couple of weeks to yeah. uh, to get the, the blueberries out. Um, we also oh. have lots and lots of black raspberry canes all over. They're, they're started multiplying along the fence line that's between the house and the cattle pasture. Mm-hmm. We have more up on the side of the road, and there's more at the back of my garden. Yeah, speaking of multiplying, we also have more bunny rabbits than I can count. The last time I took the dog for a walk, we saw four different rabbits. Yeah. Around the house, yeah. So somebody told me he's a pretty good rabbit hunter. I said, "Come on over here. We'll split them up. You take the meat, and I'll take the fur, and we'll figure something out." Yeah, he saw quite a few of them too. Um, and the uh, the chickens are doing well. Although we had a uh, we had an issue with the hen starting to lay outside of the coop. Oh yeah, and the dumbest place too, near our front p- porch. Yeah, in a little tucked corner. I happened to see a chicken over there, and I was like, what on earth are they doing? And I saw an egg, and I'm like, oh, crud. So I picked up the egg, and I thought, well, nothing. I've moved some rocks in the area, just smaller ones, because it's, mm-hmm. it's like between the cement stairs and the wall from, for, from the porch. Right. And so I'm like, oh, for crying out loud. So the other day, I was walking a dog, and a chicken screamed, basically, and <sighs> jumped out of there. And there were two eggs. <laughs> And then I'm like, well, come on, girls. And then, yeah, yes, yes, over the weekend found one more, but you were smart. You got some of those gigantic boulders that were left over. Were, they were a bonus, I suppose, when we got the driveway poured. They were way too big to be on the driveway. Yeah, big slate doorstops, basically. Right. Um, but, we, but you put them in there, and I haven't seen any more eggs in that area. I did hear a very indignant chicken the other the other day. Yesterday, late evening, I heard a really like, what, what, what? Yeah, I've seen them. Uh, several of them go over to that corner and like, oh, what's, my, what's this here? I know, because it's an Australorp, and um, and it was one of the, uh, the red production hens that kept going in that corner. But hopefully they'll just lay in the coop now. But the other fascinating thing that I saw this weekend was uh, Ida, one of our hens. She's a light Brahma. Comes running out from underneath the uh, carport where that where they've been laying their eggs, and she has an egg in her mouth. Yeah, she's a chicken. Eat- she's an egg eater. 
I had to chase her all through the yard to get away from her, and everything fell out of it before she could eat it. But once chickens start eating eggs, that's a not a good thing. No. Hopefully she hadn't figured out to get him out of the... She didn't do anything the with the ones that are laid in a coop. And maybe, hopefully, this was just an anomaly. Maybe. But, yeah. I, I hate to kill Ida for being an egg eater because she's a pretty chicken. She is a pretty chicken. But if she goes cannibal. No. Can't keep The eggs chickens. are for us. Yeah. Eggs is for us. <laughs> you can't eat them, chicken. You get the shells later. Exactly. So, other than that, it's been a fairly quiet week uh, on the farm, which is good. I'll take it. No, yeah. uh, no, no drama. Kids no. are out of school now. Yep. They're on their summer break. Kids started summer break. I got my port out last week. Ha! Yeah. Ouch. I got oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't do uh, that. I still got. I'm still. I'm still a little sore <laughs> a little in the tenderness. port port region. Um, yeah. And I think I lifted. Oh, I don't know. You lifted too much tonight. A couple hundred pounds of feed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was you, in fifty pound sacks. So I was not that. with Missy, or else I would. I realized. Because I was not with Missy. I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) she's not supposed to lift anything. I better call her and tell her, hey, don't lift anything. And it was too late at that point. Yeah. All right, we're going to step away for a moment or two. When we come back, let's talk more about how you're feeling and how you're doing and uh, and more along those lines. How about? All right. Okay, stick around. I get tips for curly hair. Hey, there you go. (sighs) I I can't give those tips. Nope. All right, when we come back, we've got more with Missy, so stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up next. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, Missy is responding to a text from my youngest son here. So while while we're waiting, I've got a couple of updates for you. Uh, I will be uh, out on the road a little bit coming up in September. So if you're in New Jersey, I'll be speaking at New Jersey SafeCon uh, in early September, you can find out more information at njsafecon.com. And also, uh, weekend of September 23rd, I will be at the Well-Armed Woman Conference in Provo, Utah. If you're uh, planning on attending, I will see you out there. Looking forward to heading out west. I've actually never been to the state of Utah. You going to be dressing up like Mrs. Doubtfire for this one? <laughs> no, I actually get to attend as Cam Edwards, okay, believe it or not. Okay, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm well-armed. You don't look like a well-armed woman. I am not. This is not a Bosom Buddies uh, reboot or anything like that. That'd be weird. No. Bosom Buddies was my favorite show, though, when I was a kid. That would explain that one time you dressed up for a Halloween costume (laughs) wore one of my dresses. (laughs) You made a cute lady. I made an ugly lady. (laughs) And the only thing that explains that was the fact that uh, we didn't have a lot of money for Halloween costumes. Nope. You were Medusa that year. And I just painted my face. Pipe cleaner. Really, you did great. Pipe, pipe cleaners cleaner snakes. Pipe cleaners that I that I put a bunch of braids in my hair, and then I used pipe cleaners to make them stick out from my head. And then I just painted my face green with scales and wore a black dress. But then you, we put you one of my hats on and put a bra on and stuffed it and wore a dress. And 
Yeah, very much like Mrs. Doubtfire, only not as cute. Yeah, no, I was not an attractive woman. Uh, I think the only lazier Halloween costume I ever had was Babe Ruth, where I wore a uh, Boston Red Sox jersey that I had along with a pair of white sweatpants. Yep, I remember that one. <laughs> and, a, and a ball cap. It was Ooh. the come as your favorite dead person Halloween party. I, right? Yep, I think you're right, yeah. We had themes for a few years. Some of them, yeah. Come as your favorite dead person. Come as your favorite person in literature. Come as your favorite fictional character who's dead or alive. You know, that kind of thing. Right. I don't uh, know what we should do this year. Uh, I don't know what we'll be doing, but uh, we will actually have some uh, some guests around Halloween time. So we'll have to do something big. Yeah, definitely have to have a party. Before that, though, we've got our 20th wedding anniversary coming up to celebrate. We've got my birthday, my Harvard Harvard birthday coming up. Your Harvard Harvard birthday? Yeah, my Harvard Harvard birthday. Well, you're old enough to have been married for 20 years. Right. Uh, and you, I was not a child husband, so. Not a child groom. No, you're younger than I am, but you were legally old enough. I to was be legally yes. without your mother having it to be was, there. So it was, it was all good, even in Oklahoma. Right. Uh, so we got we got a lot of things to celebrate, and we get to celebrate the fact that you are now port free. Uh, the last of the cancer related hardware has been removed. Yep. Now it's just maintenance. Now I just have to go for CT scans for the rest of my life. But I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, I will take it, too. And it was a relatively smooth procedure to get it taken out, just a, a quick outpatient procedure. And- yeah. I just I, – I was. it's funny because I was thinking after the fact that I was like, well, the last thing I remember is getting situated on the operating table, and they told me to put my arms out on either side so I kind of looked like I was being uh, – Crucified. Crucified. Um, and then somebody said something, and the next thing I know, I was waking up and being asked if I needed a drink of water. I was like, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm sure it took everybody else a lot longer, but for me, it was fairly quick and painless. So. Yeah, and you were you were just kind of tired for the just next tired. day or so. Yeah, I came home and slept most of that day because I was outpatient. We were home pretty early. Um, and then just basically just hung around, lying around a lot because it's on, it's on my – Kind of like on my shoulder bolt, shoulder blade. Mm-hmm. That, it's like directly below directly your clavicle. Below my clavicle. And it's just like closed. It was hurty and couldn't wear a bra because the strap was over top of it. So it was just a, a lot of hanging out at home and being lazy, reading books and stuff. Yeah. And thank you to uh, John Pop and Cameron Gray and Jesse Jane Duff from the London Center for Policy Research who sat in for me and uh, allowed me to watch over my girl. Yep. So I appreciate that. And get me home from the hospital because they wouldn't drive. They wouldn't let me drive. Ah, uh, no, that would not have been a good idea. No. <laughs> you were coherent and all. Oh yeah, it was fine. Just but uh, probably not a good idea to drive home. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Even now, when I get in the car to drive, I have to put my, I put my seatbelt on, but I have to put the shoulder behind me because it's it sits in a weird spot on my shoulder, like the the cross belt. Mm-hmm. I have to, I'm actually putting it. So I'm wearing my seat seat belt. I'm just not wearing the shoulder harness part. Okay. It's legal. It's legal. Don't know how safe it is. Well, right now, I don't care about... I'm not going... Well, I care about the safety, but I'm sitting right behind a gigantic airbag. So if something happens, I'm sure I'll get wonked with the airbag versus (laughs) getting strangled by my car seat. Okay. All right. Well, as soon as you can... Put it back on normally. I will. Please do so. I haven't been going anywhere either. I know. That's true. You haven't been. I haven't had to go anywhere. Came down here today. today, Right? (laughs) Yesterday I had to go to the food store. But other than that, not flush. And uh, I was going to say, this is like the first day that the kids should have been in school but weren't in school. So you you haven't had enough time to get annoyed with summer vacation yet. No. Yeah. No. Not quite. I'm sure it's going to come. Oh, I'm sure. The three of them get on each other's last, very last nerves. I'm already like, when's school start? Well, the 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 good news is that the 16 year old is now mobile. Yes, uh, and can leave, and actually has been very helpful. 
and has been very nice. Actually showed up for the middle school play. Now, he's in high school. Showed up for his younger sister's middle school play. After running to McDonald's and getting him and her brother something to eat first, and then he joined us at the play. Right. Yep. So I'll... I'm, I'm I'm sure that too will fade with time. Oh yeah, but he, uh, but he's got woohoo! I can drive someplace now, and I can park, and I can go anywhere, and la la la. Yeah, he's all happy. Right. So yeah, the twins, the twins have been like an old married couple since they were born. Oh yes, beating each other up, <laughs> loving on each other, hitting each other. They, they, you know, it it's a love hate thing. It really is. I did have this moment the other day where I'm in the other room, and all of a sudden I hear. Back and forth. So I go in. I'm like, what is, what's the deal? I wanted him to get out of here because I was playing video games and I don't want to play video games. People watch me play video games. So I asked him again. I told him to get out of here. It's like, okay. Well, you can do it nicely, I said. You don't have to be rude about it. Just explain nicely. You yes. don't immediately have to go you know, dial it up to, uh, to, to 10. FCON 9. <laughs> and... She just looked at me, and <laughs> she didn't say anything. And uh, and then she started to go back to play her video game. And I said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? She was like, well, I didn't have anything to say. I said, how about, okay, Dad, I won't be rude. Instead, you're being rude right now. You're being rude. Yeah, welcome to teenagers. I know. They're coming up. I know. Like 12 going on, 13 going on, annoying. yeah. And they're going to double up on us. We've never had to go through this With two at twice once. at the same time. No, because the other, the, the three oldest are so far apart in age that I don't think anybody's been a teenager at the same time somebody else was a teenager. Maybe the two oldest and maybe the, the two middle. But I don't even, maybe Like, not, like yeah. late teens and early, you had yeah. one going into the teen years while the other was sort of getting, getting out, out of the teen, of the teen years. years. Right. But not now. We'll have two of them at the same time. One of each. It's like a science experiment. Their whole life's been sort of like a crazy little, oh, let's, how, how, how different can girls and boys be when raised in the same environment and given the same food? Well, freaking a lot different. <laughs> Inconsistently, annoyingly different. How's yes. that? Yes. Oh, but they're such individual, yeah. beautiful snowflakes. Like, no. like individual. <laughs> they're not snowflakes, thank goodness. No, they're not. Thankfully, they are not snowflakes. They're rude sometimes. Rude. but and uh, some of them are they're clueless as all get out. I, one of our friends was bragging on her son, came home and found him making himself a, a fried egg and ham sandwich, and she was like, yay, I'm, I'm doing a good job. And I'm like, oh, my God, my his his contemporary would starve in my house with the full pantry. Like, the, the, the that one needs, we need to have a lesson on self-sufficiently this summer. Yeah. If you're hungry, here's how you make a sandwich. Yeah, well... I was going to say baby steps, but, uh, but well, no. Well, with the babies, though. They're the babies, but we got to keep quit treating them like they're the babies anymore. I they know. They happen to be the babies of five, but they're both 12. Exactly. So. All right. We're going to step away. The self-criticism will not continue after a quick timeout. We'll uh, move on to another topic. We'll but, talk about uh, other people's children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Stick around. There is more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. And no, they're not making any more of them. Basquiat died of a drug overdose when he was just 27 in 1988. It's not a small painting, though. It's 72 and a half inches by... 
68 inch. So it's a pretty big size. You gotta have a big wall. So, you know, I'm guessing if you have $110 million to spend on one painting, you've got a decent sized wall or two somewhere in your house. Wow. Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, here's a uh, handy little tip from 40 Acres and a Fool. Uh, if your kids are squabbling about, oh, it's my turn to play on the video games, uh, an easy way to stop that is to get rid of the video game system. No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to make sure that our kids listen to this segment. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, now that I'm just now the bad cop. No, now I can't let them listen to this one. No, I don't know. I like the video system. <laughs> I like having them. <sighs> I, I do, too, but I, I get so annoyed. I get so annoyed with them arguing over this stuff. It's annoying. I mean, unfortunately, it was they both, you know, three people wanted to play three different games on the same. I know game system, but we have two TVs. They can at least change, check, help there, right? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I remember growing up with the Atari, and I had an older brother, but I guess he was, I I, I don't know. I guess he he wasn't much of a video game guy because I don't remember having too many arguments over. Whose turn it was on the Atari? That's because it was Atari too. I mean, back then, what did you have? <laughs> but you didn't know Galaga. Yeah, yeah. maybe Frogger. Oh yeah, Frogger. I should dig try. Doug. I, I got Frogger for the pole position, River Raid, Pitfall. All these. These are all those really exciting side scrollers, right? Um, River Raid was a top-down scroller. Oh. Yeah, and you flew a jet. Pilot, you were you flew a jet fighter and you like blew everything up. And there was some thing where if you got to like some certain level, you could take a picture of the screen of the score mm. and you send it to Activision and they would give you like a little flight patch, right? Oh. And a couple of years ago, I don't even remember where it is now, but I found a Polaroid picture of my television set. Oh. And you could tell you never sent that it away for the well patch, because though. you could tell that it was River Raid, but. How the hell could you take a picture with good enough quality that you could get the resolution to see the score? I had a little Polaroid Instamatic, so you couldn't read the score. <laughs> so, no, I never sent it in. Oh. But I earned that freaking flight patch, let well, me tell you. If I ever find one, I will I will try to get one for you. <laughs> we can put it on your little jacket. Yeah, there you what, go. What jacket? Do I don't know jacket what jacket. Would put that on. Maybe just a... I don't know. <laughs> well, you give it to our youngest son. He's the video <laughs> game guy now. So, well, video yeah. game guy are really really freaking cool though it's like watching a movie that you can be in charge oh, of. oh no i know this is why you know i'm 40 years old <laughs> it's been it's been several months since i have played a video game but it's only been several months right. since i played a video same game. with me and it's, with me it's usually i can't i like to watch some of the stuff that you guys play but i can't watch it very long because I'll, I'll actually get card motion sick it's really sad but I did pre-order a Crash Bandicoot trilogy. It's coming out at the end of June. Oh, Crash Bandicoot was one of your favorites. Yes, and this is like a triptych <laughs> of Crash Bandicoots all in one game thing. So I'm like, whoa, yes, you had me at Crash Bandicoot. Take my money. Take my money. So, yeah. That's funny. Well, yeah, you know, when Jim Garrity and myself were uh, writing uh, Heavy Lifting – 
which is still available, by the way, at uh, Amazon.com. And if you would like to uh, pick up the book, there is a, uh, a, a chapter. Uh, I think I wrote the chapter. I think Jim may have mentioned it as well. So we had like a, a two two different viewpoints on playing video games. Oh, as an adult. As an adult. But he doesn't play video games. He though. doesn't. And that's the thing. Like he never really did. Right. So and he's not an adult to like So I think trust. it's I think it's different. <laughs> <laughs> not no. trust, but you know what I mean. Yes. Like disregard his opinion. He doesn't know what he's talking well, about because he never played video games. But no, I, I think that there is something to the idea of if you grew up playing video games why would you stop any more than you grew up going to the movies or you grew yeah. up reading books, right? Like it's just a, it's another activity. Wait. On the on the other hand, it's the closest thing. Like I also grew up playing Matchbox cars, yeah, and playing GI Joe, yeah. And at some point, if I were a forty-something-year-old man and you came into our bedroom and I'm there crouched behind the bed and you say, Cameron, what are you doing? And I say, I'm playing G.I. Joe and I pull out a Cobra Commando figure. <laughs> I'd be like, Hello? You'd be like, no, I Hospital? wish that you were just doing something else behind that bed. <laughs> that's Please. just creepy. Right, exactly. No, see, see when, that's what happens though. when you get to a certain age. You're not playing with your little manis anymore. You're building little diorama things and putting them in your wife's china cabinet. And you're collecting all the old collectibles <laughs> with all their uniforms and their outfits and accessories. I knew somebody like that in Oklahoma City. I went to their house and I was like, oh, you're one of those guys. Like, seriously, his wife's china cabinet, each each shelf uh-huh. was a diorama of something going on with that G.I. Joe. When he had the one with the kung fu grip and he had the one with the oh, fuzzy. Wow. He had a whole bunch. But there would be like little battle scenes on that and there would be a G.I. Joe taking a shot. There would be the other G.I. Joe dead. There'd be It was crazy. And I'm like, that's what those guys grow up to do. Like, he didn't play video games. Right. He had those manis, and now he collects them. Yeah, so I think, like, as of a couple of years ago, the average age of a uh, of the video game player in the United States was 35. Average? Average age. Wow. 35. Yeah. pretty old average. It is. And and it's getting older, uh, I, I think. Um, well, because they keep your brain going. Mm-hmm. Old people want to play them, so they, you know, still stay sharp. Right. So I, I see no shame. Uh, as I said in heavy lifting, you know, there are times where, especially in the fall on a Saturday or a Sunday, if I watch a football game, I'll put on, you know, Madden, and I'll play a football game or every now and then I'll just, you know, want to go explore the world of Skyrim. It's fine. Yeah. As long as it's an every now and then thing. Yeah. It's not you like know? you sit down every night and bring all your food and beverages around you and set up a little camp in front of the computer system. So that's not a good thing. No. It's been a long time if I ever did that. I don't think I ever did that. Since we were married. No. I mean, I like to sit in front of the... I like to play video games. I I mean, my stepfather was a computer geek, worked in computers when I was a kid growing up. We had the very first Pong game. Oh. And it was exciting. And all you were doing was turning your paddle and not letting the ball... But we had Pong. And then we had... Um, we had an Atari. My little brother had a Commodore 64. Then we you know, graduated up to Nintendo. Even when I lived in um, my apartment, I had a, an old Nintendo 64. I think, I think our golden age of gaming, you and I, yeah. was probably pre-2000, uh, probably 1999 or so. No. Uh, for you, it was Age of Empires. Oh yeah. On the PC. Yeah. 
And for me, it was Baldur's Gate yeah, I on the PC. If Gate. you and I ever had arguments about, it's my turn to play on the computer, that would, would have been, been that <laughs> right? I want to turn. I want to play. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That I loved um, SimCity. I yeah. can completely, if I, and it was funny. I mean, I sit on my butt in front of a computer all day doing work, and I get home and kids go to bed, and I sit on my butt in front of a computer at home to build cities. It was just so <laughs> fascinating to me. But I think somewhere in the back of my head, I always wanted to be an architect. So, so this will be our question of the week here. Uh, do you, A, still play video games? Did you, B, ever play video games? And if so, C, what was your favorite video game? You can email us at 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can also send us a picture of your favorite video game on Instagram (laughs) at Corny Goat Farm at Cam Edwards, uh, on Twitter at Cam Edwards, and via snail mail, we uh, just sent off to uh, Trent and Melody a baby blanket and a uh, bottle of liquor for Trent uh, and Melody when she can drink again. uh, Because as we are recording this podcast... Uh, they are getting ready to welcome their first child into the world. So congratulations to both of you. We'll keep you all in our thoughts and our prayers. Uh, but anyway, the uh, snail mail address, if you want to send us a uh, actual letter or, or something, it is P.O. Box 817, Farmville, Virginia, 23901-0817. So there you go. All right, stick around. When we come back, we do have some more of your thoughts to get to and more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back here to 40 Acres and a Fool. Cam and Miss E with you. And we are hearing from Stanton in uh, Texas who writes in, says, Hello, Cam and Miss E. Hope this email finds your family well. It's been about two weeks since I last wrote, and it seems like so much has happened since then. A, we got our first chickens. Yay, chickens. Yay. We bought five pullets, three Rhode Island Reds, two Domineckers. Is that correct? Domineckers? Domineckers. Yeah, I guess so. I've heard of Dominique's. Dominique's are from our local trade days. They've been spending their days roaming the backyard, pooping on the patio, finding shelter at night in a wire cage on the patio. They seemed to be happy with their temporary accommodations, and everything was going well until we noticed one of our reds was missing yesterday evening. They were all present and accounted for in the morning, but when we went out to feed the catfish in the tank, we couldn't find our fifth bird. Uh-oh. No signs of a struggle or foul play, just poof. Foul play, huh? Gone. Yeah, he did spell it foul play, uh, yeah. too, right? <laughs> uh, did you check the catfish? They're uh, thin, you yeah, know? catfish uh, can eat chickens. They uh, pull them down to the bottom mm-hmm. of the pond there. Uh, or possibly, I don't know what um, how big the fence is in the backyard, but it is possible that... I've seen our hens fly up to the top of the coop, the tall oh, yeah. part of our coop, which is six, six, probably six, six feet. feet tall. 
um, without any problem whatsoever. Like, yeah. they could have gone higher. So uh, if their wings aren't clipped, they, they can be more mobile than you would think. Yep. Uh, another exciting news, Stanton says, we got to meet our rural volunteer fire department when the pile of brush and scrap wood that my brother was burning tried to get out of hand. Oh, scary. Yeah, right. That's luckily, what you're always afraid I'm going to do when I burn uh-huh. stuff in the backyard. I am terrified of that. Uh, luckily, even more afraid of, I'm more afraid of you in a flamethrower than I am afraid of spiders. That's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. Okay. Uh, luckily, he says, my brother called them before anything disastrous happened and no one was hurt. It was quickly back under control and we finished the day's work without needing any more emergency services. Oh, well, that's very good. Glad to hear that. And to Missy's credit, we have never actually had to call out the fire department. No, we haven't. So and really, in, in, one, about it. in all of our years, we've only really had like one night where I was thinking that the yard was going to be engulfed in flames and before long. And it didn't. Came close. No, it didn't even come close. Embers on a tree, like a tree branch, was getting ready to combust, but thankfully the flames died down, or else it, it would have been a horrible such... fireball of, of fire. Okay, Mr. Hyperbole. <laughs> Stanton says, I'm pleased to report that the plums are coming on, and soon it'll be time for the family to make plum jam. I'll be sure to set aside a few jars to trade for Miss E's world famous hot sauce. Yay. Yes. I love this bartering stuff. I like it. It's fun. Oh, it cost me it's past delicious. Postage. Speaking so. of delicious, uh, well, well, hey, let me finish Stan's yeah. email real quick. Uh, Stan says, I look forward to trading goods with you, and hopefully we'll get to meet you in person someday. I'll extend an open invitation to you if you find yourself in North Texas before the annual meeting in Dallas. Mm. Uh, we do, Stan says, plan to attend the annual meeting for the first time in Dallas. So if nothing else, we'll see you there, if not before. Uh, we will certainly see you at the NRA annual meeting next year, Stanton. And uh, I do hope that our paths cross before then. Uh, if nothing else, in the mail, I hope that uh, <laughs> they cross. Uh, and so speaking of deliciousness in the mail, yes, Sean... From uh, Pecan, uh, Pecan Grove. Grove Farm. In Tahlequah. <gasps> yes, with his yummy yeah, fruit punch tea. Fruit punch tea. It's like a, a blend of dried herbs and mint and bee balm and something else. And a real pretty, really nice packaging. Um, totally professional. Um, they got labels on it. Um, recommended he, he recommended that we make it into sun tea. So that's why it took us so long because we didn't have any sun. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I finally did uh, brew it, it's a very light colored tea. It doesn't look like tea. That you would think Almost of. like a green tea. Like a very pale green tea. But it's very light and refreshing. Doesn't need a sweetener. I, I, I drank almost a half of, I think I drank a quart today. Wow. Cause for liquid. Well, this is before I changed the water filter and the water was still looking kind of pink. So I was like, <laughs> I don't want to drink the water yet. I think I'll wait and have some tea. So, But I would drink it anyway because it's that tasty. Nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lair, no, Bob. Uh, Bob says, I think we had a spring. Uh, it says, what a winter and spring we've had here on our farm. It's been crazy enough that I was unable to listen to the podcast for a long time. Oh, no. But now, says Bob, I'm binge listening. I'm really <laughs> enjoying them. The stepkids were here last weekend. Shooting was on the agenda. I was listening to several podcasts while cleaning my wife and I's guns and decided it was time that we had to write. Uh, Bob says, our annual Christmas visit with my kids and grandkids in Pigeon Forge turned into a trip to Snowshoe, West Virginia, due to the rental cabin burning down. I hope that in, happened before you got in there. In Pigeon Forge, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's where... Oof. Most of the town ended up burning down. Oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. the wildfires. Yep. Uh, Bob says, from there, we had to run to Raleigh, North Carolina, to bring my mom back to Indiana. 
She was diagnosed with stage four kidney disease and was not doing well. She is now on dialysis, says Bob, and she's doing great. Good. But there were numerous visits to numerous doctors to get to this point. Bob, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you feel like things are getting better and yeah. that she's feeling better. Uh, back on the farm, says Bob, I planted four apple trees and two pear trees. They were doing really well. Lots of blossoms, tons of greenery. Two weeks later, the deer discovered the new buffet and ate all the leaves and blossoms that yeah. they could reach. Bob says, I read somewhere that monofilament confuses deer since they can't see it. So I've, I've put up some T-posts around each tree, and I've run lots of monofilament around each tree, and it's made a big difference. That sounds like a good idea to take three around the two little apple trees that I have and mm-hmm. then just wrap the wrap them all the way around with fish and wire. That'll keep them away because that's the two out of nine, out of nine right. that I planted. Yeah, we had seven, Bob. That, that just, got eaten by mm-hmm. deer. And goats. Yep. Bob says, I borrowed a uh, tiller for the tractor. Mostly the deer. Mostly deer, yeah. Uh, Bob borrowed a tiller for the tractor, tilled the garden area. Bob says, I read that area should rest a week before planting, so I waited. Spent two days planting tomatoes, peppers, bell, and jalapeno, onions, garlic, five pounds of potatoes. And then it started to rain, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. Biblical-type mm. rain, says Bob. I stopped checking when we passed four and a half inches. Ouch. Rain stopped, and now it's incredibly hot and humid. I'm of the mind that the rain was spring. Uh, I water by hand with a two-gallon bucket, so that and cutting grass fill my weekends. Next to prep, blueberry bushes, asparagus, and now that I listen to a certain podcast, horseradish. Yeah, horseradish rules. <laughs> Bob says, it seems every time I get my asparagus patch mature, we move. Well, this is going to be the last move, says Bob. So now's the last time I'll have to plant asparagus. I hope. Fingers crossed. Time to rebuild my compost pile to get these areas ready to plant next spring. Bob says, uh, I have to thank you for the podcast. It is by far the most relaxed and listenable podcast out there. I enjoy all the background sounds. They're what I listen to when I'm outside on the farm. <laughs> Although I don't think we've heard any gunshots on the podcast. No. <laughs> There's certainly a norm around here. Uh, thanks again, says Bob. Well, Bob, thank you. And, yeah, you know, if we did a podcast on a weekday or on a weekend afternoon, you'd, yeah. you'd hear it. Um, but we're working on the weekend afternoon, so we don't have time to do the podcast. So right. it's usually around sundown on a Sunday night if yeah. we're good. And Most if we've been working really hard, then it's, it's Monday, Monday night because yeah. we're exhausted by the time Sunday night rolls right. around. So that's why you haven't heard any uh, gunshots in the background. But we'll we'll see if we can do something on like a Saturday afternoon here before <laughs> long and Get you a little uh, local flavor in the background. We could do that. We'll just bring all our guns outside and just start shooting them off randomly during the podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. First person to guess this one. What's the caliper and the and the weapon it's fired from? Ready, go. Pow. Pew. Pink. Could they tell the bark? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We have a um, an email from Brian. Big things going on with uh, Brian. Uh, Brian... The email titled, Some Things I Learned While Teaching and Mm. Why I Don't Teach in California Anymore. (laughs) Brian says, for the past six years, I've been teaching engineering classes at a major state university in California. This week, due to many reasons, ranging from simple burnout to irritation with the system, to even a bit of concern about being completely defenseless at a place that attracts criminals and nut jobs, I handed in my resignation. Mm. I'm not an academic, says Brian. In fact, I hated being a student every moment I was on campus, and I didn't get my degree until I was in my mid-30s. But I'd like to think that the outsider status gives me a unique view on the whole system. Brian says, I'm in no position to be offering anyone any life advice, but I thought someone might find something useful in my ramblings. So here's what Brian learned while teaching in California and why he doesn't teach in California anymore. Okay. One, he says, the hard sciences, engineering, and some limited number of useful majors 
are blessedly free of the political nonsense that we're all concerned with. There's little time for political discussions when we're covering voltage loops and current nodes and titrating precipitates and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, say that right? 10 times fast. Okay. Exactly. Outside of science, engineering, and some small number of other quote-unquote useful degrees, he says you could level huge portions of most college campuses. The only difference would be improved parking in the surrounding neighborhood. Mm. Uh, three, most college students don't know what they want to do for a living, mm-hmm. and college may not be the best place to find this out. No. Yep. Amen. Yeah. He says, the vast Amen. majority of my students were in school because they, quote, unquote, had to be, and they were just wasting their parents' money. Yeah. On the other hand, he says, four, those rare students who had decided that they would become engineers, you knew it as soon as you spoke to them. There were a tiny number of students, maybe one a semester, who simply would not fail. Some of them are older than average. Many of them are immigrants from other countries. Some are even, quote, unquote, undocumented or the children of illegal immigrants. This is California, after all. But you could tell very easily these students who had been raised with a solid respect for work, science education, and intended to get through school and get a job. Yeah. Uh, five, he says, if you send the right student with the right work ethic to a wisely chosen school and the right major, that high cost of education can indeed be an investment. Brian says, I learned about engineering a power grid from people who had done the job. I learned about control electronics from people who use those skills to build medical equipment. I went from working jobs that I couldn't stand to earning almost twice my previous salary, uh, building manned space vehicles for NASA. And my total debt is less than what I earn in a year. That's pretty awesome, That's Brian. That's awesome. That's right. Brian says, you'd be surprised, six, at how many teachers, even here in California, are gun owners or NRA members. They're generally very quiet about it because it's not an industry that treats part-time teachers well, but we are out there. Mm. I have some pro-gun stickers on my car, and people reached out to me because of them. And number seven, this is Brian, if we really want to fix education, we need to do two things. Get over the idea that everybody needs college and dramatically change or eliminate tenure. Nobody should be immune to being fired for incompetence. Yep. Brian says, my best to you and yours. Congratulations to Mrs. E for having her cyborg parts removed. Thank you. <laughs> Brian, thank you. And we wish you well. We want to know. Like, uh, I, I, I'm hoping that you looked before you left. You're yeah. talking about, uh, you know, the building uh, 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 manned space vehicles for NASA. Is that still a thing? Was the teaching gig a part-time gig? Please tell me that you're going to be okay, Brian, is what yeah. I'm asking. Yeah, we don't want you to be uh... – <laughs> Uh, unemployed and homeless in California. Although, it, I guess if you're going to be homeless, that's the place to be. It's, if you're north, it's warmer, right? You get all those fruit trees you could steal food from. Right? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But let us know that you're doing okay, Brian, and we wish mm-hmm. you well. And I'm glad that glad you're standing up for principle, glad you're standing up for uh, for stuff that matters. And, uh, and thank you for sharing uh, your words of hard-earned wisdom. Uh, the email address, as always, 40acrefool at gmail.com. We love hearing from you no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life. Uh, we are a community. <laughs> uh, aren't you clever? Oh, the dad jokes are fierce. All right, we do have to take a, uh, well, I guess it's the final time out. I guess we got to say we're goodbye. Finished, right? Yep. I was going to say, how many segments are we going to do? Nope, just four. Okay. As always. We're good. Yep, we're as good. Always. All right, well, listen, be safe, have fun this week, live a little, learn a lot. Any final words of wisdom? Wear sunscreen. Trust me on that. And wear sunscreen. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.